Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the peacemaker to my blood sport. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? A host? Yeah, a host. And our very own uh, Colonel Rick Flag. That's no. right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how are you doing? You went with one of my favorite actors in the movie, and I thought you were going to make me King Shark. So, Oh, King Shark would have been it. cool. That's what I even Steve- said when you were doing it. I said in our very own Stallone. King Shark. It's Stallone. <laughs> no, Wait, was it St- was it Stallone? That's it Stallone, was Stallone. Right? Yeah, all right. Supposedly so. James Gunn said to him, hey, I got a perfect role for you. You're going to play a fucking shark. <laughs> and, St- and Stallone said, anything for you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. All right. So uh, Seahawks played their first preseason game against the Las Vegas Raiders. And a uh, few, few uh, things before we get into our – <laughs> a few things before we get into our uh, review of the game, Eric, with the sneak preview there. Uh, first, uh, some news to get to. The Seahawks have waived uh, Nate Evans, Lucas McNeil, Jordan Miller, Walter Palmore, Anthony Ratliff-Williams, and Cameron Scarlett after the first preseason game to get down to 85. Uh, Kevin, anybody you're going to you're gonna miss here? Anybody, any friends that you're uh, going to be missing? So, a couple of things. Number one, uh, Cameron Scarlett. Maybe if he still went by Cam Scarlett in college, people might want to keep him on the roster. I'm just saying. Can't, they, can't waffle on first names. They, I'll say this. They gave Walter Palmore a long look in this game. They sure um, did, and they definitely saw all they needed to see. 40 um, snaps at uh, 40 very nondescript snaps at nose tackle. <laughs> Uh, I also like the fact that I can tell you the missed tackle moment that Jordan Miller got cut. Like he might as well have just walked off the field afterwards. <laughs> rough. rough. Um, yeah. Jordan Miller sick, uh, targeted three times, three catches, 25 yards, 26 of yards after the catch against him. That is not, not, uh, ideal. not, not ideal. If all of the yards that you allowed came after the catch, that means you had the play right in front of you and you just, uh, had to, had to let some guys he saw play. the opportunity and he took it. So all close. right, so so those are some uh, dearly departed. We will uh, we will uh, see you, out. probably see you soon. Actually, someone will get hurt in those guys. Those are the guys we always resign the same guys back. Uh, all right, Seahawks in the NFL top one hundred. Eric, this is uh, for you to start here. Uh, so far, we're we're up to forty. Okay, so uh, or maybe we're up to forty one. I think the way they do yeah, it. Yeah, forty one. Uh, so <laughs> Seahawks in the NFL top one hundred numbers forty one through a hundred. Uh, number 77 was Quandre Diggs. Deserve number it. 76 was Tyler Lockett. Mm-hmm. And number 67 was KJ Wright. Yes, which everyone says, and one free agent. And I'm like, you know what? Until he signs, it's a Seahawk. Yeah, we're taking credit for it. So, okay, here's my question for you, Eric. Is uh, These guys, too high, too low? Uh, is that about right? What, you, what do you think? Uh, it's really hard to say because, you know, as we get into the 40s, like 40 and below or 40 and up, that's when you're going to say like, oh, yeah, that person's really talented. Oh, that person's really great. So Tyler Lockett, man, I really want to put him higher. I'd like him to be in the top 40. But realistically, I think, man, I think, think he should be a little higher, but but maybe not. Do you not, think this not might so much be a, to argue it. it might be like a consistency issue thing with Tyler? Because like the teams that he played re- last year he had was really boom bust, right? On a week to week basis. And uh the teams that he played really good against, maybe they scored him in the top twenty, <laughs> and the teams that he like was more nondescript against, they were just like left him off the list completely. I think that could be it, and it's not so much he wasn't consistent as you know the the offense was incons- inconsistent, and he was he wasn't targeted as much, or it just it wasn't like he was shut down. He couldn't get past it. It was just 
as the no longer number one wide receiver on this team, he's he's not going to get all those targets. So yeah. you know another thing that kind of makes you feel better about it. Uh, Adam Thielen was ranked 80th. And I think that uh, those are kind of two interesting players to have in similar positions where yeah. people like they, they can have number one wideout type production. But I think everyone questions whether or not they're a true number one wideout. I feel like they're two players kind of Lockett is in a kind of a the, the plateau of his career. He's probably going to have like two or three years where he has similar years to what he had last year before he starts going down. I would say Thielen is probably on the way down. Uh, in his career, yeah, he had a later start, and yeah, his athleticism was just never on the same level as Lockett's. I was most excited that for Quandre to make the list at all, mostly because uh, one, they listed him as a cornerback, which I thought was funny. Two, <laughs> uh, it it kind of speaks to uh, the Seahawks have one of the best safety pairings, maybe the best safety pairing in the entire league, and Quandre is a big part of that. He was really good down the stretch last year, and it didn't. A lot of people didn't. He did not get the recognition I felt like he deserved from outside of uh, like these, like these kind of polls where they pull other players um, or people who are really tapped into the team. Like Seahawks fans know Quandre was awesome down the stretch, but I felt like the national media never really picked it up because the beginning of the year was yeah. rough, and so I think that that kind of narrative just stuck with this secondary, especially this with the safeties where Quandre really turned it around, at least for him, for himself. And I thought the defense played a lot better. Uh, KJ needs to be on a team, right? Do we agree with that? Um, uh, it's weird that he's not considering he's a good linebacker. <clears throat> it's sad to think, but people are just going to underpay him. They're waiting to underpay him. He's walked out of Las and Vegas without a contract. I'm sure that whatever he signs for will be less than maybe what he could have gotten had he just taken a raw deal. He's 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 waiting. He's hoping that someone gets desperate because of injuries or something, right? And and everyone else is like, "Well, we have like six million dollars to give you," and he's he's like, eh, "That ain't it. I want I want ten or I want eight. You know, like he's and I I think that it's a good strategy of him. All right, so there's forty spots left. What players on our team do we expect to make it? We'll just bounce around. So Kevin, then Eric, then me. Kevin, who's a who do you expect to make it on the list still for the from from our team? Uh, Bobby. <laughs> Bobby Wagner. Okay, Eric, what about you? DK Metcalf is going to be big. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Russ, and then we all agree Jamal probably yeah. will make it. Is there anyone else that we're missing? That So those are our four guys in the top 40. Is there anyone that might make it? That outside I can of those see Dwayne. Guys? I can see Dwayne, too. I had a conversation with a gentleman at work about Dwayne Brown today, and we both kind of talked about he's one of the you know top five left tackles in the game, and they don't grow on trees, and it got me thinking like, I wonder if he's going to make the top 100. What did uh the, the Rams guy? Does he make? Did he make it last year? Um, the, yeah, their, Andrew their Whitworth. Grand, grandpa, grandpa, uh, left tackle Andrew Whitworth. I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, so if, if if he makes it, I mean, I feel like Dwayne is a very is like a slightly lower uh, uh, profile version of that. You know, maybe a little earlier in his uh, progression of that, but like. Not a yeah a guy who should make it if if that guy's making it. So okay. I'm just saying, noted disrespect that future Hall of Famer Daryl Taylor didn't make the top hundred. Forty forty is a little high for me for Dwayne Brown. I don't think I don't think he's going to make it, and I I don't think there's anyone else on the roster. I mean, I, Chris Carson, if he played the whole last season, maybe could have made this top 100 list. But we're too far up the list now for Chris Carson. Um, and yeah, that's the thing about Dwayne Brown. Like I could see him making it, but. Uh, I would say in general, looking at the list, um, offensive tackles are not getting as much love as I would have expected. 
there's just not that many spots left either. You know what I mean? Like 40 is just not a lot. And, and right. Like, and especially the tackles you know, have to be ranked over are what I mean, you know, you know, 10 of them are going to be quarterbacks too. There's still, there's still a lot of really good quarterbacks that haven't shown up. So yeah, we're, I don't know. We'll see what happens, I guess. Uh, Jamal Adams returned to speaking of Jamal Adams. We, it's going to make the list. He also returned to practice with a new deal. He had his helmet on. He was practicing uh, back in the back in the in the fold. Four years, seventy million, thirty-eight million in guarantees, two million in bonuses that are considered hard to reach. Uh, Jamal Adams says what convinced him to sign was his mom texted him a full paragraph at midnight Dallas time from back home last night, telling him to sign it. She used my full name. When my mother says my full name, I need to pay attention. Smart man. Uh, Kevin, wow. what do you what do you think about the Jamal Adams deal that he signed? Um, this this one it was on the high end. I think I was the highest when we talked you about were it. The highest, and, and it's right and about where he said it's almost exactly what. Yeah, I picked sixty nine for the memes, but I should have just said seventy because that <laughs> nice round thing. numbers are awesome. Yeah, well, uh, I, but, just, these always end up with big round numbers, don't they? Yeah, it's uh, this is one of those deals where I I feel like you know how when the market resets on a big deal, like uh, every deal that Russ gets will be a market resetting deal. Um, for his whole career and you're like well you know in a couple years it won't look like a bad deal it actually look like a pretty good deal this is a deal that will still look like an expensive deal in a couple years this is like landon collins like landon collins signed his deal a couple years ago it was a longer deal and we're getting like towards the middle of that deal and it still looks like an expensive deal that's going to be the case for adam so you're like a person's opinion of this contract is going to be based on what you think of them as a player. I think Jamal Adams is probably a top 10 overall defensive talent in the NFL, whether, you know, uh, regardless of position group. And so I don't feel bad paying him 17 and a half million when we're going to be getting a lot of productivity in a lot of different ways. He was able to show it as a pass rusher. And I think we've all been, pretty firm on the corner in this podcast that his coverage numbers were brought down by injury and system last year. We know we have a wealth of good evidence that he's a quality coverage safety as well. And so when you're getting someone who's that elite at that many facets of the game, uh, the proverbial straw that stirs the drink of a defense, um, that's a guy that you can afford to pay probably a little more than maybe you should. So I'm okay with it. It's high, but it's not it doesn't make me sweat um i'm gonna i'm gonna disagree just on the this won't seem high because i think jesse bates is gonna beat this deal not this off season obviously but next off season and once he does that then then i think like all hell might break loose for safety contracts and i do think like safeties have been mildly disrespected in the disrespected in the free agent market like unless you're earl thomas ed reed jamal adams like it's really hard to get uh it's really hard to get the big deal. Most of those guys just don't, you just don't get a big deal. You get the kind of moderate deal and, um, and all the money goes into cornerbacks. And I just think some, some teams are going to figure out like, Hey, I can get like two great safeties and then kind of skimp on corners a little bit. And I do think that's a very possibility. And like Jesse Bates is the guy I'm pointing to as the guy who like kind of makes it seem like maybe it's because I think there's a chance you're right. If Jesse Bates goes under the Jamal Adams contract, yeah, then I don't think anyone's going to, it's going to be hard to beat it. But like, that's the guy we need to look at and as whether or not this will seem ex, like really expensive or not. That's a good point. And I agree. Jesse Bates could go over it because the Bengals need to keep fans believing in the rebuild. And they've let a lot of guys walk. Jesse Bates is a team is one of their draft picks. 
he's a guy they're going to want to resign and keep around to be kind of the face of that defense. I mean, they did say they did say this week that they're they're uh, they're not planning on signing him for the rest of this year. I don't know what their plan is. I guess franchise him and then hope he does, actually shows up. That's it's so it's so Bengals. All, so all the nine way he can eat. They're so cheap. This is the difference between the rooting for a team that's cheap and and like not, doesn't have a winning culture versus our team. Our team figures out how to get the guy right on a deal that we find acceptable. The, oh, the Bengals. The Bengals will find a way to. The Bengals will find a way to lose the guy. <laughs> that's what the that's Mariners. what they do. Uh, Eric, all right. How Ooh. pumped were you when, when when the Jamal Adams news came through? Uh, I was I was comfortable for a couple of reasons. Uh, not not. I mean, I'm really happy. How comfortable am I? I'm comfortable. It is. I said, I said pumped. Oh, I think you said how comfortable. Pumped. No, I, I know you. I knew you were pumped. I know you. Like, well, how pumped were you when the news came? Through? So I knew it was going to happen. I wasn't nervous about it. But this is good for a few reasons. It is a little high, but the market's going to reset. Uh, the the cap will get bigger. I think we're going to be fine there. One, the Seahawks stood their ground and they said, "Hey, we really want you here, but we're not budging on this." Good day, good day, and made him kind of come to the table and get it. And although I always want to root for the player here, uh, there's a salary cap, and making this team win is uh, is very very possible if we get all the right contracts. And looking at our our left tackle situation at the end of 2021 uh, is or to start 2022 is very scary. So get getting our focus on Dwayne Brown or, or trying to fix that is. Uh, is only possible if we can get Jamal Adams at the number we want him. Right. So Second, you think you think like it was like Jamal Adams step one, and now Dwayne Brown is step two. I'd like that's, to that think, one's coming. I'd like to think that's the case. The, the <laughs> Kevin was saying the Mariners so much. I almost said the Mariners. The Seahawks are <laughs> uh, are trying to uh, you know table the Dwayne Brown discussions. I don't think that's going to fly. I think they're going to have to try and get something done. Uh, number two, Bobby Wagner. Still the highest paid player on the defense. That is really important to me. I believe that was important to the Seahawks. That's the report is that that was important to the Seahawks to keep Bobby uh, paid highest at $18 million a year. I don't know why. I read that and I was like, yeah. Do you think? Do you think? Do you think that's maybe a little bit of like, uh, uh, like they remember what happened with uh, with with Walter yes. Jones and and Steve Hutchinson, and they're like, never Not exactly again. That, but yes, I, I think I think they didn't want to have to do a new deal with uh, Bobby. It's got to be pretty close, and yeah, we don't we don't want to even you know smudge Bobby a little bit, and uh, you know, seeing Steve Hutchinson go into the Hall of Fame a couple weeks ago, um, you know, that guy didn't really do anything more with his life. Um, by signing with the Vikings, and I would be really, really pissed off if we lost or or ticked off another player that you know could have cost us another championship run. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like this. I wasn't really worried about it. I really thought it was going to get done. It, you know, I would say a week from now was my deadline. So, yeah, pretty pumped, and also nice. very comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then, uh, we we've, we've got our. Um... Jamal Adams deal done. Now, three Wait, other... this. Nathan, what type of shoe would best describe your comfort level with this contract? Since I know oh, you're a sneakerhead. Uh, uh, Ultra Boost. It's very comfortable. Have you have you ever worn an Ultra Boost? Either of you guys? I have not. 
Eric, you wearing Adidas? Any shoes? Oh no, I gotta. List? I'm wearing like shoes that are three years old. My feet hurt, and I need to go shoe shopping. Yeah, but okay, I, I just I, need to watch TV instead. I recommend Eric lives that New Balance life. As a I fellow, want those uh, Yeezys, the clouds, they look yes, stupid. Those have Ultra Boost in them. Okay, you can get any Ultra Boost shoe though. They are all comfortable. Okay, Ooh. so uh, return to practice. Also, uh, D. Eskridge, Rashad Penny, Phil Haynes, Eric. Which of these names excites you the most with the returning to practice? D. D. Who's D? You mean Dwayne? Yeah, but he goes by D, and I'm gonna start calling him that because that's what he's he's he wants to be called. I, I'm one of those. people. I know. You know? I've I've heard that. <laughs> I remember, I, I Eric. I know you're not comfortable just putting your D out there for everyone, but <laughs> just, the fact of the like, matter is, if somebody is comfortable with yo, that yo, level of exposure, you need to respect D. it. Just like I have to start saying Daryl Taylor instead of Darrell. I have to do it. It's I'm trying my best. So yeah, I'm calling D Taylor. Yeah, I actually that's the one because when he quote got a little thing, I was like, oh, so he's he's out to week six. Awesome, <laughs> he's dead. Yeah, and it was, uh, I can't remember exactly the initial He reports. borrowed Rashad Penny's knee. Yeah, it was like, there were just like little things going on with maybe his foot. And he didn't know if it was a foot or knee at first. I remember you like, and like two or three other people were like, oh no, this is going to be like, a, a, who's the best wide receiver that never played for us last year? Uh, Dorsett. Uh, Dorsett. Dorsett. Dorsett, rest in peace. Yeah, I was, I was not, I was not confident in this. So... And it was, I started to panic, like, whoa, did John Schneider and Pete Carroll just kind of gloss over his medicals? I started, you know, hot taking myself. But yes, this is the one. Eskridge, welcome to the team. Plus, you got to get your reps in. You got to know what it's like to play in the NFL. You know, yeah, he's not going to yeah. go up against the massive talent of uh, uh, Peterman. But the, the rookies need more, uh, more pre the preseason more than anyone else, right? Yes, especially the ones that are a lock to make the roster. Yeah. All right. Uh, Kevin, which which one are you most excited about? Was it Eskridge, Penny, or Haynes? It's, uh, gosh, it's Penny. Penny, all right. Nice. It's absolutely Penny because it's such a make-or-break thing for him, and I just I want to see him be healthy for a stretch. I still think he's a good player, and I hate the idea that injuries have defined his career. I think that's that's so unfair. That's so difficult for an athlete. And so I want to see him be healthy. I want to see him get out there and play. I actually have that listed as one of the things I'm most excited about for next week's preseason game is yeah, they, how does Penny look and how much run do they give him? I was going to get to that later. But let's just do it now. They they said Rashad Penny needs to play a lot next week. Yeah. <laughs> I, was wow. like, I was like, whoa. It's like, that's like 40 snaps because they had, they had a lot of guys play a lot this week. And uh yeah, they they did. I'm a, okay. I would pick Eskridge, but since Eric already took him, and I don't want to leave my boy hanging out to dry. Although I'll say something nice about Phil Haynes. Beefy Phil boy. Haynes, he uh, he was big, and uh, he did not look uh, well. Okay, I just to say that the whole offensive line thing. I thought they played a fine in pass protection. The problem was when we tried to run, it was like every play got got blown up i i don't know what was going on with that okay anyway we'll get to that whole thing in a minute but phil <laughs> phil haynes i i really want him to be our depth middle interior line lineman or or to win a starting job and so for that to happen i really need him to play to play so get back on the field get, get well phil all right speaking of playing on the field start with the we'll start with the, the review of last week's game the what did we see in las vegas at seattle at las vegas not the, an nfl offense oh Sorry. And so, okay, let's start with that. Um, this was uh, quite the set of players we sent out there to play. 
to play offense for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, first of all, we started with five backup offensive linemen. Not one projected starter played. Can I just uh, say I'm really happy that uh, Pete finally learned you don't have to throw your starters out there for a potential injury for a um, like a series and a half in the first preseason game. So I'm proud our, of Pete. Our expected starting offensive line will be left tackle Dwayne Brown, left guard Damian Lewis, center Ethan Posich, right guard Gabe Jackson, and right tackle Brandon Shell. Those guys all sat in favor of uh, Stone Forsyth, Jordan Simmons, Kyle Fuller, Phil Haynes, and Jake Curhan. And I'm just going to say, if you expected it to be good, like what? Listen to what I just said. We went we went with five backups. And they, they did not go with uh, straight backups on their defense. You know, Colin Farrell was out there to start the game. I would argue uh, they did. Quentin, it's just their backups happened to be starting. Quentin Jefferson started the game for them. Like, they started off with some guys who are actually, like, legitimate NFL football players. Like, guys who are going to start for them this year. And so... Yeah, I'm, I, yeah, it went poorly. What, what do you want me to? What do you want me to say? The <laughs> offensive line was bad, Eric. Uh, when yeah, you right. saw the offense, when you saw the offense, what did, what was the, what was your initial reaction? I loved the, I love what they did with the offensive line because you've got to get the young guys in there, okay? And Stone Forsyth, this is a guy that <laughs> so excited when he was drafted, like, oh, this guy's in, what he's six round pick. This is a steal. Shut up, Eric. Shut up. This is this is a a tackle that everyone passed on until we got him. And yeah, maybe he'll be something special, but really it is a a very large human being, uh, which I think he might be too tall to be effective in an NFL offensive line. Ethan Posich, I'm I'm gathering this intel from you. Mm-hmm. And uh so I it's like hard that. To, hard to get low leverage when you're six foot nine. It is. Like, you you got to bring a- him those those Just little stools. You got to give those guys little stools that they can pick up at the end of every play and and move back because they've given up a sack. Well, and uh, he's high cut at that height too. That's the other crazy part. Yeah, it's sorry. Those little Seahawks sack humor that uh you know we're used to. <laughs> so uh, that that I didn't have a problem with. Um, <laughs> wanting to throw the ball with Geno Smith, I don't have a problem with. Poor Geno uh, got knocked out, then came back because the. I mean, that the was the note. The notable Storm Forsyth play, though, right? When he got concussed. Yes, yes. Like, so they did some kind of like overlap blitz on Forsyth, and he did not see it that. It seemed coming. a little too much. Like, like are you I, saying are you saying that Gruden was trying really hard to win a preseason game? Yes, yes. that was yes, the Spider was. Two Y banana of rushing plays. Does that does that surprise you though that John Gruden was trying really hard to win a, a preseason game? Like, it, not at all. No, that's such a Gruden thing to do. That man's got to earn his ten year contract. Gosh. Yeah, we did it. Yes, no, year I mean, here's the thing: the the Seahawks guys they they don't need to win this game. They're bought in, right? Like they understand that this team goes to the playoffs every year, and that this team is a winning football team and a winning football culture. I mean, Las Vegas has no proof of that, right? So he's got to be a tryhard in the preseason because he needs his guys to 100 percent buy into what he's trying to tell to sell them, and. uh Okay, cool. Good, good, good for you, I guess. Yeah. So uh, either way, uh, Geno Smith, the concussion protocol, maybe, uh, maybe not, not doing so well since he went back out there, and then they were like, "Wait, wait, wait this guy's got to come out." Um, a guy, he, 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 my, did, he actually came out with his helmet on backwards. That was their him. <laughs> he did terrible. He did guy. not practice today. Actually, uh, yeah. Imagine. Yeah, that. I imagine he's know. probably gonna be out for two weeks. That that dude got rocked. That was not yeah. pretty. 
Yeah, and we got to shout Magoo at the television, you know, our, our once, twice a year, so that's pretty cool. That 25-yard run was pretty good. Yeah, I, I will say this about the the offense, the things that uh, – I have some hot takes here um, okay. going for both uh, – all sides, more or less, Raiders too. And I think that this is this is a little hot takey, but I mean it. I think DJ Dallas has just a little Marshawn Lynch in him. And I'm not saying he's the next Marshawn Lynch. But what I'm saying is look at his frame. Look at what he can do. Look at how he stays on his feet while twisting and turning and still having strength. It gives me hope for next year. Also, also this year a little bit. I think he will definitely uh, have his opportunity this year. But looks like the future future may be just fine at running back. Yeah, Dallas, Dallas I really liked because he really caught the ball well. So even if it... He, as a rusher, never finds the the level of vision that he needs to be like a a premier running back in the league, which is like right. I think the thing he needs to develop. He needs to really find the cutback lanes and the better. He still can just run it on running on passing plays. You know, he can create value with his hands. He's he was really good on the two catches, and in, like you said, once he's in space, I mean, he's hard well, to he's stop. A pass it. blocking god too. You know, I mean, he needs to. He needs that. to. His boy Tra- him and his boy Travis. They need to. They're they're gonna combine forces and be they need good. to do the uh, the fusion dance. That would be perfect, actually. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree, Eric. I think DJ Dallas has a if it, it, at the bare minimum he has a future as a third down back on our team. Yeah, more I can say for Tra- more than I can say for Travis Homer. Uh, he's a JD McKiss thick. Ah, let's, let's just let's just be honest. the The offense was was poop soup. It was not fun to watch. Oh man, it was uh, vanilla poop soup too. Like there were there were definitely no wrinkles in there, unless the wrinkle was the dirty butthole that was being called as the offense. It was really it was really boring. Uh, the the quarterbacks all held the ball too long. There were got so there's no all twenty two. Did you like Sean Mannion's three point so one yards per attempt? I'm really trying to like. <laughs> Uh, NFL, please put all 22 back on game pass. Like it's dri- is driving me crazy. Okay. So the, um, but they, these guys, like they're just, it's all like waiting too long guys getting the ball when they're already closed down and, and uh, you know, 17 receptions for 134 yards. Like that is just depressing. But what it was, was it was a lens. It was a lens into what life would be like if we did not have Russell Carrington Wilson. And I'll just say, I didn't like it. Um, this is a hot take, but I'm not a fan of what we look like without Russell Wilson. Um, so yes, whatever you need to do to keep that man happy, do everything because this is really gross. So Nathan, um, what I'm hearing is if you're Russell Wilson's agent in the next round of contract negotiations, you would just put on the tape of this game and walk out of the room and leave them to think about themselves. I mean, that's, yeah, that's I what I, that's what I thought too. It was, <laughs> you bad. negotiate it, with a shirt of uh of any Seahawks quarterback other than Russell Wilson. No, you just leave this, you just leave this game on and then you just put a piece of paper on the desk and walk out and then they watch the tape and they're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> with 10, so, with $10 signs. And that's all that's on the paper. So here we, with the dollar sign. we did, we did say though, like before the game started, we wanted to look at which receivers kind of were separating themselves and which ones were making it. So Fuller had a nice catch. I think Fuller, that was a delightful little broken tackle. Uh, yeah, really good. Uh, Kay Johnson Even looked, okay. looked like crap too on that play. Uh, Freddie Swain looked uh, looked solid. Uh, John Ursua, no. no. I, I think like anybody who's still hyping up John Ursua, like just just get over it. Like it's not happening. 
I am remember that over got, him. That dude got scratched for Penny Hart all last season. His best play in this game was getting rocked on a punt return. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out on John Ursua. John Ursua Hive, you can come at me. And then, uh, even oh, special Do- teamer Dominic Wood, An- Dominic Wood Anderson. As I know it's a tight end, but like, no, also yeah, two okay. drops on four. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, and then like one catch where he didn't even he was like way out of bounds. And then I, what I liked about that one was the announcer was like, yeah, that shows, you know, he could make the catch. It's like, dude, he had no field awareness to where he was on the field. <laughs> like he just ran out of bounds and then caught it. Like, yep. that's not good. Don't don't try to sell me that that as being like a good thing. It's a bad thing when a guy has no idea where he is on the field. And that's <laughs> that's what I'm going to say that's about that. So, yeah, I would agree. Swain Johnson and Fuller, especially Swain and Fuller, kind of showed me something. Kate Johnson just showed that he wouldn't like pee down his leg. That's kind of what I saw there. Clay Johnson is, if we want to develop a slot guy, we should keep him. If we don't, we should cut him. Like there, that's really, there's really no in between for me on that. Like if we want to develop a slot guy, he can be the future at slot. But if we don't want to develop a slot guy, like we just move on from him. There's no reason to hold on to him if that's not a part of our plan. So, um, yeah. Did, Did Penny Hart even play? No, I don't think so. No, no, like he, I think he's so entrenched as like the backup outside guy. Feels like he has a really strong inside track on, on that kind yeah, of. Yeah, I job. feel like this really showed you who uh, is in like the two deep. Like if mm-hmm. oh you're your first or second string, you don't have to worry about playing today on offense. Yeah, it's it was really yeah okay. So, offense. Do you want to say anything, Ken, before we put it in the books? No, I've interrupted you guys enough for good. Okay. I was like, I was like, I, I never threw to Kevin officially, so I got to make sure he didn't have like a really good deep d- deep note. But uh, the offense was bad, so I mean, I, I was hoping. Yeah, that's Kevin, my overall note was this sucked. Kevin, of course, <laughs> since since the, you were last here, you get to lead us off. Defense, defense uh, was not as bad. What did, what did you think about the? What was your biggest note from takeaway from the defensive performance? Uh, my biggest takeaway was the much blind Seahawks defensive line did exactly what I think we all kind of said they would do, which was have a lot of fresh dudes out there, like making plays. Um, uh, Rasheem Green had four pressures and a sack. Um, Alden Robinson. Uh, got in the backfield all day. Uh, Daryl Taylor. Well, you can't bring up Alton Robinson and just skip past his uh, his coverage oh, his coverage ex- prowess. They put okay. First of all, on like basically back to back plays, the Raider go to to Zay Jones. On the first one, they go to Trey Flowers. They go at, right after Trey Flowers, and Peterman just somehow bread baskets gets it right over Trey, which isn't super surprising. I mean, Trey has like here's the thing about Trey Flowers. He has it seems like he has no idea when the ball is coming. For a guy with a lot of length and an ability to be in someone's hip pocket, he sure doesn't seem to contest that well. Yeah, he has no idea <laughs> when the ball's actually going to get there, which is like makes him worthless. And then the next time they come back, but to all his other intangibles are great, and he's being covered by <laughs> Alton Robinson, play, Mrs. Lincoln. twenty yards down the field. Twenty yards down the field, they're having Alton Robinson cover uh, Zay Jones, who's who's a fast wide receiver too, and he but, didn't do. Let's give let's give Alton some credit. He didn't do that bad. He like, kept he was... up with him. This two A-Rod things I got to say about this. I want I wrote coaching. this down. This is great because one, this is the Bobby Wagner defensive play that they run every year at some point. So they had to get someone else to run it <laughs> the preseason. Number two, I read the Raiders takeaways after the game, and it was like star of the game number one, Zay Jones. <laughs> yeah. I was like so, off that play, no doubt. Good job, Raiders. They had. 
you truly are Raiders fans. They had Alton Robinson covering in the slot, not one, but two times. Yeah, I looked, I watched for it. So they, they this is something that this bare front offense is going to do, apparently, is going to. And what I hope, sorry, I just hit my microphone. I probably killed someone with your head with your headphones in. Uh, if you uh, if you crash into a ditch off of that last microphone hit, uh, we uh, apologize. Talk with my hands, man. I'm Italian. I try really hard not to during the podcast. But okay, the 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 thing is, if if that's the thing that's in our offense, we cannot let opposing coaches create matchups like that. You know, they saw they saw him out in the slot the first time, and they were like, "Oh, let's go after that next time." That is not an adjustment that we can let teams make against us. Yeah, you cannot do that multiple times. That is a no. very big problem. Unacceptable. It's, <laughs> it's the the thing is Daryl Taylor can actually cover as a linebacker, and I think he's a yes. better coverage linebacker than because uh, people want to immediately compare it to Bruce Irvin. I think he's a better coverage linebacker than Bruce Irvin. We had one. He had one coverage in the slot as well. So I think that ideally they'd probably want to use Taylor more, but they they were trying to do the thing where they. They try out having both sides cover, you know, kind of thing. I think I think they're experimenting a little bit on defense. But anyway, continue your bigger point about the defensive line because I want to get to the part where you say Cody Barton. But yeah, Collier had a couple of pressures. Monet had a pressure. Um, and Monet's sack came off of basically both ends crushing inside. And then Cody Barton had two sacks on two pressures. All right, so let's talk about this, Kevin. I, I know you're going to have an opinion on this. I think LJ Collier and Rasheem Green is the battle. I think that's like... I. I think that might be the spot because Kim DJ didn't play, which says to me, like he is somewhat entrenched. Like that that's either a really good sign or a really bad sign. And I'm taking it as the really good sign because of all the camp hype. Would you agree with that? I think that's like, pretty likely. Okay. So then that means that like these guys who are playing are either young Robinson Taylor, uh, or they're battling Monet, I think they threw him out there just because he's yeah young, but he seems like he's got a pretty clear path. We also just don't have a lot of dudes in that spot. Yeah, no, those tackle spot is thin. That's why Powell played so much. But uh, but like these are guys fighting for roster spots. I feel like like some of these guys, Rasheem Green played sixty seven snaps. LJ Collier played thirty five snaps. These are guys who are they're getting a good long look at what these guys can do. Uh, what you what you which which guy do you give the edge right now? Green or uh, Collier? I'd have to give the edge to Green right now. I know contractually it'd be nicer if Collier pulled ahead, but I thought Green just played a much more complete game, and I thought he, br- I think he brings a lot more to the table as a pass rusher, um, which is something that we're clearly looking for. Yeah, if we cut Collier, I mean, we just lose two and a half million, so it'd be it'd be bad, like that we'd have two and a half million of dead money, uh, extra. This year, yeah. add, and also would we would lose cap. one extra year of team control because we drafted Where, Collier a year later. Yeah. Whereas Rasheem Green, we save almost a million dollars if we cut him, and that 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 could be the factor that breaks the tie at, at the end. Like it, at the end of the day, it could come down to the fact that we just can't afford to cut. We need we need LJ Collier to win this job, uh, which would be depressing. Yeah, but Rasheem can, Green, a fan of the show, and uh, clearly reads all the all the mocks and all the. You know which players are on the bubble because that guy was very clearly making a statement that he does not want to get cut. Yeah, and they were trying. He was he was just playing balls out. Yeah, Alton was the best defensive lineman though. Would we all agree on that? Like Alton looked really good. Uh, got just as many uh, like pressures as anyone else, and just kind of. I think a certain he played almost the whole game, and he felt like he felt like he was really kind of the guy. You know, like he felt. 
I think he's going to be in the rotation. He's a serious rotation guy coming in next year. Yeah, looks I think. Look, oh, sorry, good. I was just say it looks likely. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, again, he's a guy who he had a really good second to last year in college, and then his last year in college kind of fell off. And I remember sitting here this time last year going, you know, this is a guy who could be a lot more than his pick would indicate because we'd seen kind of bigger and better play out of him. And then he came along nicely last year in a way that cushioned the blow of losing Daryl Taylor for the year a little bit. To have him come in and immediately show that, in my opinion, it looks like he progressed over the offseason, which is what you want to see um, in an offseason where you're actually allowed to like do NFL stuff. Uh, I, that's a really good sign. If he can be in, if he can be solidly in the rotation at edge, that's this is the type of player that you we need to be picking up in the middle rounds. Okay, so cornerback watch, uh, right cornerback Flowers was the starter, and then he was followed by Heslop and Sunderland, and then at left cornerback uh, Witherspoon was the starter, and he was followed by Brown, then Desir. Demarius Randall was nowhere to be found. Uh, I don't know that one. I think might be a really bad sign. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because the guys that were playing at cornerback are like potential uh, starter ish kind of guys. You know, DJ obviously is going to start at right cornerback at the end of the day. But um, Eric, I know you have a well documented dis- disdain for Trey oh, Flowers, so I'm going to give little, you a little I'll let bit. you come right at him. Uh, what which which part of the game was which part of Trey Flowers game was your favorite? Was it when he lined up to eight yards off the line of scrimmage every play? <laughs> that doesn't bother me because that's. That's something that players seem to do based on comfort, unless they're asked to, you know, push the line of scrimmage. Um, but it's something about when when players do that, you you watch the good cornerbacks, the ones that do that, they immediately they watch the quarterback, they Got start here. to backpedal, and then they immediately switch their field of vision between the two things really quickly, and they adjust their stance. Trey yeah. Flowers seems to freeze. Yeah, they diagnose the play and then yes. make a re- and react to what's going on. Trey Flowers is just like, okay, there we well, go. He, or he just starts. Uh, he's just like, it's gonna be a bomb. I'm running out. It's like he has a zone to cover and he is not trying to have a poker face about where he's supposed to go. There was a play in the in the um, in the early in the game where Flowers and Amadi had a really bad communication. Where like Amadi basically was he was covering a guy off the line. And he ran towards tray and then another guy came underneath and it's like i don't know what those coverage design is supposed to be that's like one thing where it's really hard to to grade because you don't know whose job it is is it does amadi need to release to trey flowers or did trey flowers need to come over and help with in the center of the field it's hard to know without knowing the play design but like either way they did they blew that coverage right by they just basically ran into each other and it's mm-hmm. like hey there's another guy here you guys need to cover and one one of you is responsible for this guy i'm not sure who but um yeah, that's re- it's really annoying. And those communication issues and those things, like you said, the diagnosis of the play really seem to crop up with Flowers more than anyone else. I really hope that that he starts working his way down the depth chart. It's, he drives me crazy. I was going to say, that's kind of a trend that I, that I think kind of answers your question a little bit is that issue of communication seems to happen with Trey more than anybody else. I think that's something early in the season that was also a problem for our safeties last season. Um, it it definitely gives Dude. me the uh, feeling that Trey is playing in ways that are difficult for the rest of the defense to predict, which makes him play less as a unit. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the, the safeties we threw out there were not like 
like Ugo Amadi and Ryan Neal are solid. They're not like guys that I would love if they were starting every game, but like those are both guys I feel fine with out there at at safety. Those are both NFL players, yes. Yeah, they're NFL caliber players. So I I don't want to blame the safeties. I feel like the safeties are fine. All right, last last thing about this game before we move on to the next game, uh, left cornerback. Brown, Witherspoon, Desir. Did any of those guys stand out for you, Kevin, or was it was it all kind of a wash? Yes, something stood out for me, and that was two things uh, about the same player. And the guy who stood out for me was Trey Brown, because I really was watching him. I really wanted to see what he had to do. And what Trey I noticed Brown, was... Trey Brown, Hive, rise up. Trey Brown, Hive, here, we're, we're here. We're here now. <laughs> so Trey Brown, first of all, played with the, like, overly aggressive relentlessness that is exactly what I want to see from him at all points in time. I would rather see them have to dial him back than dial him up. Trey flowers. So um, that part, I really enjoyed seeing carry over. The other thing is I felt like his performance looked in line with what I saw with some of the other corners. I don't think he's really behind Flowers or Witherspoon right now. I think he's playing at a comparable level to him. And like I said in the preview, the best possible outcome we could have is Trey Brown stealing that job. The because yeah, because because Pete's not gonna give it to him unless he wins it. He's yep. not gonna give he's not gonna give it because he's he's a rookie. He has to win the job outright. There was only one play that he had that I thought was pretty bad. He lined up pretty up far off the line of scrimmage and gave up a huge chunk of yardage which led to that field goal at the end of the first half. And I think like that's kind of thing where I I don't know if the the scheme was just like keep the play in front of you and give up 15 yards. I hate stuff like that that prevent Pete, Pete vent defense that we all love to to rag on. Uh that's a uh, that's really annoying. And they did that, and then I, he he was the victim of the of the of the Pete vent. He was victimized. Uh, so yeah, all right. This week, and the Seahawks will return. We return home, right? We return home to face uh, the, the Denver Broncos. Broncos and quarterback Drew Locke. Uh, very exciting. The Vic Fangio says that he will name the starting quarterback following the Seahawks game. So we're going to get to see, is it going to be Teddy two gloves? Is it going to be drew lock? I can finally lock up my uh, fantasy projections based on that. Would you just give away your fantasy prediction right there? Uh, well, you said I mean, lock it up. Ooh. Well, no. drew lock. So here's the thing. They're giving drew lock every opportunity to not lose the job. And he did pretty decently in the, in the first game. I don't think he played like better than uh than Bridgewater. I thought it was pretty equal, but they they're giving Locke like the chance to he's in the he's in the lead. He gets to start in the front and he needs to lose the job. And so right now he hasn't lost it yet. Uh all right, what are we looking for this weekend, boys? Eric, what are you looking for going into this game against the Denver Broncos? Okay, so I'm looking for the the consistency in the defensive line. So take Rasheem Green. This is a guy who we all kind of said is probably the odd man out this year. After week one, no, this guy has a place on this team. It's just week one of the preseason in a three preseason, pre three game preseason. So week two, I need to see, I need to see this take shape. If Rasheem Green falters, you are it's it's like strike three uh, out of nowhere, like Michael Scott's strike three. Um, I would like to see if Cody Barton is going to continue his reign of playing uh, a a decent linebacker role. It, w- it was weird with Cody Barton too, how he was so much better as kind of like a 
like a aggressive when they let him play aggressive and rush a little bit and stuff. So when did you notice like last year, back. last year he would play this. I don't know what to do. It was almost like he was waiting for the game to come to him, but it was always like the play was on the other side of the field. So he linebacker equivalent of I don't know what to do with my hands. Pretty much, <laughs> and this this time it just in week one it felt like he was yeah he was more aggressive. But he knew when to let the game come to him. And that's part of playing football in the linebacker position. You got to let the play develop and you got to see what's going on. Cody Barton seemed like he's actually kind of learning and he's applying it. Uh, I want to see more of that. And so, yeah, I really, it's it's yeah, the pressure and the, the front seven, front six. That's what I want to see. I say front six because I'd like to see some nickel coverage this week. I, I think, think that strong side linebacker role is a good one for him. I agree. Bur- Barton and Burkerbin, uh, yeah, I think like... Can we see enough from them to feel comfortable with them as just our as a part of our like four? Because we're only going to keep four linebackers, right? We're going to keep yep. Burkerbin, Barton, Brooks, Wagner, and then Taylor is going to drop back in coverage sometimes. Robinson apparently is going to do that a little bit. Uh, we're going to have like a little bit of that, but they're just going to really have like four linebackers. Yeah, and if something happens to a starting linebacker, we're just going to play a crap load of dime. All right, my my um most excited thing is I want to see the guys who are like. Uh, twos, they're guys that like are are not quite uh, like the, the the number two defensive end Kerry Hyder, the number two DT Kim Diche, the number two defensive end Benson Mayoa. Uh, like I want to see those guys play. I want to see Penny Hart play. I want to see D Eskridge play. I want to see Rashad Penny play. Demarius Randall. These guys need to get on the field. I want to see what they if they're going to be contributors or if they're going to be uh, cut. Like that, those guys need to get on the field as soon as possible. That's that's my my thing. All right, Kevin, what are you most excited about for this weekend? I got two for offense, two for defense. My offense, I'm excited to see Penny get a long look. I want to see getting him get some snaps. I want to see him, uh, you know, kind of burn some tread off the tires. Uh, and I want to see what he does. Um, the other thing is, I would like to see a little more of what the offense looks like. If we can get some better players out there, I want to see maybe what some of the receivers look like look like during Russ's like two drives that he does. Um, and I want to see which receivers they give snaps with Russ. You think Russ will play? I think I, Russ will come out there for like two drives. I don't. I don't know if if Dwayne Brown is not out there. I think they might just hold him back. It's a. I know it's a weird prediction, but like I think he might only play in the last preseason game. Yeah, so. if Dwayne Brown's not out there, I could see that. I, I don't necessarily agree, but I understand. Um, uh, the other two things, the cornerback battle continues. I really want to see if – I man, I'm rooting for Trey Brown. I want to see him emerge. I would love to see him beat out Witherspoon and Flowers for the spot or at least, like, at least show enough that you're going, hey, maybe after the bye – or you if know. DJ if DJ Reed doesn't come back, we'll just put him on the other side. Like something, he he, yeah. he he has to play. Like he forces his way into the lineup. Yeah, it, I'm seeing a situation where that could be happening. So I'm just watching the defensive backs continue to put out a solid performance, and then the defensive line watching that pass rush by committee, seeing who can put it up for back to back weeks because that was part of the problem at the beginning of the year. A lot of people were really uh, harping on the pass rush for the Seahawks. And the biggest thing was we didn't have consistent performers. We didn't have guys that we could count on to get three pressures in a game until Dunlap came along. You know, we were leaning really heavily on the blitz 
we're leaning really heavily on other sources of um of pass rush like in the first preseason game the pocket was getting pushed consistently and the quarterback was always being forced to be a little bit uncomfortable and i want to see that all throughout the preseason all right, and um, that's that's it. So we'll go money zone. For there are many ways to support the Jacksonist podcast, and the best way to do so head over to onlytwelves dot com, and for as little as a dollar twenty four a month, uh, get access to our bonus content during the season. And also, if you want to be a big spender, you could uh, you could buy some advertisements. You know, starting uh, in the in the regular season. And I I've heard it suggested on the discord that maybe you buy an advertisement and just use it to make fun of someone else. And I think that is more than okay. Uh, we've already, we, there, we already might have an advertiser uh, advertisement coming your way at the, starting in the beginning of the season. So get, get hyped. Can uh, I speak on this? I want to advertise y'all, you know, I don't want to advertise like manscaped or, <laughs> uh, or some of the other ones we get offers from to do, uh, Simply safe. Uh, John Deere. No, not John Deere. Right. Uh, I was just going back to the Manscaped one. <laughs> uh, simp- uh, what are some other ones? Oh, NordVPN. Uh, what's the ear headphone one? We Wait, got? we get NordVPN oh, offers? Ray- Raycons. Buy Raycons. You guys don't. There will never be a buyraycons.com slash Seahawks nest. I'm sorry. Or get Raycons or whatever it is. I don't know. Okay. So thank you to the people who support in the show. Andy, Brett, Greta, James, Carrie, Lucas, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Bob, Casey, Phloctimus, Foles, Jay, Kieran, Leon, Michelle, Mike, and Mike, uh, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, uh, Brandon, and Nick. Oh, and what? Do you want to advertise NordVPN? Like, is that is that like one of your uh, just There's a couple of YouTube channels that I enjoy that that, ha- that advertise that. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. No, actually, Seems- I think it might be a different one. It's not NordVPN. It's like um, I ip vanish maybe uh, which is like this last minute of me disappearing brought to you by xfinity not a sponsor uh, <laughs> ip uh. ip vanish maybe all we did was talk about like the the dumb sponsored offers we get so, so okay. real quick, there's one great one though um so uh split zone duo i will go ahead and plug a college football podcast i like um they have people who uh have a patreon tier where they get to do a plug um, one of them just plugs how many days it has been since the University of Georgia last won a national championship, which that's I think I, is a that's great what I'm advertisement. Saying. You can buy our advertisement and do that. Like that, yeah, that isn't Kyle but, Shanahan's only had one winning season. If you want to pay me to say that over and over, I'll do that. You know, how many sucks. days it has been since the last Super Bowl uh, okay. title for the 49ers? I want to rant about this a little bit. Why is Kyle Shanahan an offensive genius for running as much as the Seahawks <laughs> do? And on top of the fact that he doesn't win, he loses a lot. Why do we make so many excuses for this guy and he gets to be an offensive genius when he runs more than anyone else other than Baltimore and he, and he loses a all the time. Oh, his quarterback got hurt. Ooh. His quarterback isn't good anyway. They wouldn't be Jimmy Garoppolo sucks. I'm just I'm heated and I'm done with the four like I think 49ers fans come please at me. Put me on your 49ers podcast so I can argue with you about how your coach is the most overrated. The only thing that Kyle Shanahan does right is try to see how small of a logo he can get on his hat. That's it. Everything else bad. He's the I do not think he's the most overrated coach to me in the NFL because unless unless all of his 50 top 10 picks that he has on his roster are healthy he can be good like yeah anybody can be good if their defensive line is four guys picked in the top 10 backed up by another guy picked in the top 10 like that's not hard 
it's not hard to build a defense around five top 10 picks on the defensive line. Like, okay. All right. I'm done. Okay. So anyway, um, (laughs) let's, let's go ahead and move on to movie club. Uh, We watched the suicide squad. At least Eric and I did. Kevin uh, has not gotten around to it yet. So he's going to just be listening uh, and, and, and maybe jumping in a little bit, but Eric, let's start with this. Catching us. That James Gunn made just such an homage to like the dorkiest, like offbeat, weird DC stuff that he could, right? Like, yes, he he came with a thunder. I mean, the biggest thing is that he made the primary villain, uh, the OG, uh, the OG Justice League villain, yes, that is such a weird villain. And like, a lot of people probably were like, it's a giant starfish, and it's like, that is speaking to our nerd hearts right oh yeah that's that's such a it's not a a deep cut but it's a deep cut because no one is gonna put starro in a movie and when the first trailer that showed starro as a nerd i was like oh my gosh starro's in this movie oh this is gonna be amazing only because (laughs) starro is it's not amazing but uh i guess there's been a recent comic where they kind of made him cool i mean it's it's like a body snatcher thing but Naturally, it's from like a 60s comic, so it just looks so goofy, like mm-hmm. fish with a giant bo- eyeball. Borderline out of place. Yes, like, that is probably the best way to put it. Uh, but as, as James Gunn does, and he did this in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, is he takes obscure characters. He makes you care about them somehow. He, you know, he puts them in situations that you root for them. And, you know, he'll make some funny. He'll give some heart. He tries to give him all heart, which he does in this movie, and he's just so good at that and kind of turns him into household names. So let's start at the beginning. At the beginning of the movie, they show you all these characters and they get you in there and they then they're played by famous actors, right? Nathan Fillion's in the opening scene. I would say uh, known known comedic or, or, or names that speak to different pockets of nerd culture. Yeah, I was about to say names that resonate in the nerd culture. Pete Davison's in the opening scene. People uh, love Pete Davison for some reason. I'll figure it out Michael, one of these days. Michael Rooker is the cold open of the movie. Delightful. And like and it's and it's just such a bait and switch because the James doesn't what he does is he uses these characters not to uh not to any greater means, but to introduce him, us to what kind of movie this movie is going to be, right? Yes. He's he's not saying, oh, hey, these characters, these are our main characters. They're going to do some cool stuff. He said, he's saying, hey, this is going to be like a trauma style, gory, violent movie where literally anything can happen. And I thought that was really like a cool way to go about it. What do you think? So the first Suicide Squad movie is, is pretty bad, but I – of all the things that disappointed me was the thing about the suicide squad is in every run of the comic, a member would die and it would be an important member. And if there were like a few dare, you know, terrible members, more than one would die. And so in the first one, a guy who you just kind of see him in the background, he dies and you're like, Oh, okay. That was, that's the one guy. Um, for this movie, they, they really lived up to it. They, they oh. made it a, a big show showing you people and then immediately removing them. Some to my to my disagreement. I was I was a little upset when one person died. Which one? Uh, I'm kind of feeling, you know, Kevin is still here. Uh. Uh, <laughs> Captain Captain Boomerang. I was like, oh, no, yeah. Jai, Jai, Jai Courtney. Yeah, they took him out. Yeah, just because he's he's a big member of the comics and I would hope he would have a better death. But whatever. 
Jai Courtney died and and uh and Weasel lived. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I was like, really, you're gonna have Weasel live? Like, come on, uh, come on. Uh. James Gunn's soft spot, I guess. Yeah, but the, that opening scene is I thought was really cool. Like they they really, I don't know, they brought you into the to what was what what this movie's all about, right? Like, yeah, what this what we're doing, and so then we have um. We have our we we meet our like our main crew the the people who who weren't just sent there to die as a distraction. Uh, we got uh, Idris Elba playing Bloodsport, John Cena playing Peacemaker. We got Rick Flag. Uh, Idris King Elba. Uh, a lot of people say he was recast because uh, you know they wanted Deadshot because Will Smith wasn't going to be in the sequel. Uh, originally, I guess it was going to be Deathstroke the Terminator, which is a big DC character. And maybe he wasn't available or they just wanted to use a certain guy and they decided to give Idris Elba this role as a another obscure villain that they could put him in the role. I thought they did a really good job with the they because, yeah, like Bloodsport, like, isn't he just like a P- PTSD man in the comics? Yeah. Basically? Yeah. He's just a just a guy with guns. That's about yeah. it. So they, yeah. you know, it was, it's kind of a blank slate that you can make a cool character out of. And they did. Yeah, I think that's cool how they how James Gunn does that. You're right. Like just the way that he takes a character that is small potatoes or doesn't matter and makes he adds to the lore in a way that is cool. Because like the things that Idris Elba was doing in the movie, too, with the the, the kind of uh, modular weapons and stuff was really. Yeah, I well, think- he, he was interesting to look at, but he was also, you know, if you watch anything with Idris Elba, you, you tend to love him. He's not only very handsome, but he's a great actor and he plays very compelling characters. And this was really no different. Um, John Cena, just uh, stealing every bit of scenery he could in any scene he was in. Yeah. Definitely doing the, uh, the Batista turn of this movie, right? Absolutely. uh, Guy guy who has legitimate comedic chops, making funny things happen uh, and you don't expect it. Yeah. Was, and also staying awesome. true to the Peacemaker character, looking like he stepped out of the comic book, which is, if you're going to do that, you're going to look ridiculous. And he did, and it was fine. Did you love how John Cena, during the like build-up to the movie, just wears the Peacemaker costume everywhere, too? Yes, he walks around <laughs> Hollywood with it. I'm pretty impressed with John Cena. Yeah, it made, me, it made him very lovable. It's like, okay, John Cena's cool. Like- <laughs> uh, Polka Dot Man, of course, that was, uh, you know, seeing him in the preview, I didn't think he would have such a big role that he did, and he was awesome. Yeah. David no. Dem- they did a good job like presenting the actor did a great job like here i agree and then also they did a great job like giving giving him a really great like kind of arc in the movie um that i thought was uh very satisfying although a little little sad at the end and then um rat catcher 2 was like i think the star of the movie though like daniela melchior she was so good an actress who has like no uh she's only been in like three films you know relative newcomer and i thought she just crushed it the only thing i didn't like was that they kept joking about how she was sleeping through stuff i was like okay the third time is enough like this joke is getting old but yeah <laughs> but the but the, i think the first couple uh the but the they did a great job i thought she did a really good job and her little um kind of scenes that she had with uh with uh, all this character no not not Idris oh. Elba. the what the stuff she did the, the oh the king Oh, oh, the flashback uh, scenes of Taika Waititi. Yeah, flashback yeah. scenes and like building out her character. I thought those were really great. So, um, yeah, I liked that a lot. Uh, what what else is there to talk about this movie? I mean, I think uh, King Shark. Uh, again, Sylvester Stallone as King Shark was the 
almost like the Groot, the the famous actor saying things that were, uh, you know, not a lot of dialogue, but very funny. Um, uh, scene stealing in their own way. Uh, this movie's got a lot of action. It's got a lot of heart. It's, I would say, you said trauma earlier. It comical, the- comical violence, like kind of like Slither or. Uh- or oh. like James Gunn's other trauma style, like like yes. vi- it is overly the violent DC movie. So when he got when he got fired from Guardians three, I feel that DC said we'd love you to to do a movie for us, and you said I want to do Suicide Squad, and I want to do what I want to do, and they said you got it. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> glad someone decided to cancel James Gunn so that we could actually get a good DC movie. Yes, and then uh, immediately rehire him so he can. Then yeah, the movie James, we want to see. I was going to ask this <laughs> question, everyone. Worlds. Is James Gunn, the rest of his career, just bouncing back and forth between making Suicide Squad movies and Guardians movies for the rest of his career? Like, Well, I think he's are, only he's got one more Guardian movie. I bet he probably moves into a bigger movie uh, in one of those franchises in Marvel or DC and or moves to Star Wars. Okay, I could see it. I mean, he... He should have like at this point. I just hope he does more weird stuff. I don't care what it is. I'll sign up for it. I just want him to keep doing like weird stuff. So yeah. I know this. They're making a Peacemaker TV show. James Gunn is the showrunner on Hobo Max. Uh, so that's going to be fun. A hundred percent. I'm a hundred percent in on that. Um, and then there, then we got Guardians three. But basically, people should be writing him blank checks to do these movies because he really understands how to make these movies and make them both funny and serious and like toe that line and make them feel like unique experiences. Where a lot of the the worst things I can say about the Marvel movies or the bad the bad DC movies is they just feel really samey, right? Yeah, they all feel kind of same. On its worst instance, I would say soulless. Yeah, but he he really injects uh some life into these movies that I think makes them really uh, fun and watchable. And uh, this is, is this your favorite DC movie uh, from the, from like the new era or maybe even ever? Is this your, how do you, how does this rank for you, Eric? In your, in the DC uh, kind of pantheon. It's this or wonder woman. Uh, I still like man of steel. I like wonder woman. I like this movie. They're three very different movies. They're all three very good. They're the only ones that I'll what? probably say are good of the DC movies. You don't like Shazam? Oh, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting about Shazam. Shazam was I, fun. Shazam was fairly fun, but it wasn't like, yeah, I don't. And did you like, you didn't like Aquaman 2018? It was fine. That's the, Yeah. See all these, all these movies I forget about. I guess if, if just, the movies I, can I understand, really care about, it's three. I can understand why you forget Aquaman. Like I thought it was fun in a pretty decent movie, but like it was pretty boilerplate kind of superhero stuff uh birds of prey i liked 2020 as well justice league was so long that eric just thinks that all those movies are part of justice league this is probably fact and that's the theater cut of justice league not the even longer cut of justice league no and they want me to watch a black and white version of the snyder cut on top of the snyder cut guys i'm in my 40s i don't know if i got that much time left so the thing thing for me about the Snyder Cut, I, I'll just do my white 30 seconds of Snyder Cut. It's like, I'm so sick of people being like, oh, yeah, they fleshed out all the characters. I mean, it's like twice as long. Of course they fleshed out the characters. <laughs> It'd be weird if they didn't. If they didn't flesh out the characters and it had double the runtime, what happened? I don't like, know if you guys are aware of this, but there is a release the Ayers Cut for Suicide Squad. I am aware. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. I'll just say this. The... The Snyder cut of Justice League, yes, it is better than the the Whedon cut, but 
I would like to see Zack Snyder try to turn that into a two and a half hour movie and then we can judge which one's better. And I think Zack Snyder would still win, but like it's these movies are you're comparing apples to oranges almost Yeah, like it's they're not they're not the same thing. One is one was releasing for theaters and one was releasing for a specific format that is meant to be watched at home. Suicide Squad was was designed to be in theaters and it was designed to be a a single viewing. And I'll say this is the most rewatchable of all the DC movies. All right, it, so let's pop it on again just because it was fun. Yep, I gave it a four, and I think uh, I think it's like a soft four. You know, like I was very kind to it because I had fun watching it, and uh, I laughed out loud multiple times, which I just don't do when I'm watching a lot of movies. So. Watchability is a very uh, significant part of what um, makes a movie good. If I was like a really nice reviewer who wasn't so hardcore about giving movies, like if it was just like if I had fun and I liked it, it's a five, I would give this a five. But that, but I'm pretty pretty stingy with the the high numbers, so I gave it a four. Uh yeah, there you go. Uh Kevin, are you gonna watch it? You gonna, yeah. gonna get in there? Get in there? Yeah, right, just sweet. a matter of making the time work. Yeah. So uh that's it for Kevin, for Eric. We will see you guys next week. Uh go Hawks.